WUKY presents health news you can use. It's Dr. Greg Davis on medicine. Multiple myeloma is a relatively uncommon cancer. In the United States, the lifetime risk is 1 in 132 persons. I recently spoke with Karen Zarr, reporter and anchor and friend at WUKY, about her medical journey in getting diagnosed with multiple myeloma and her current treatment. Karen, thank you so much for talking with me today. I I, uh, talked with you a little bit offline about your your medical journey, and I wanted to visit with you a little bit about um, your recent diagnosis that you uh, made public that... Uh, you're being treated for multiple myeloma. Tell me a little bit about multiple myeloma and the treatment uh, that you're currently receiving for it. Well, it's it's still pretty new to me, but I I know it is basically a blood type of cancer. And luckily they caught it early. The strange thing is, is I had COVID earlier this summer and I was so sick from the COVID, and I had had some other symptoms earlier before that. Fortunately, I have a doctor, Dr. Craig at UK, who very much was like, I feel like there's some red flags here, and let's just make sure everything's off the checklist. Because I was so sick, she felt like, you know, I feel like there might be a comorbidity uh, or something else going on, and she was just seeing little red flags here and there on tests that she was running. Uh, because I'd been vaccinated. I had done all the right things. I wore the mask and, uh, again, very healthy, and it was one of the lighter strains. So she continued to plug away, which is how they actually ended up finding out that I had the multiple myeloma. Uh, They finally did a – the final diagnosis came after they did a bone marrow biopsy and a kidney biopsy. You could probably explain this better because even though I'm a reporter and I'm kind of following my own case to do the story, it's something – to do with light chains that they found. Uh, and I'll actually be interviewing one of my specialists about it, but that's how they were able to discover it. And I was also having kidney damage. I had gone to stage 3A kidney damage. So luckily they caught it early because of the chain of events. Uh, so I'm, I'm very, very fortunate. But they did decide they, they did need to start chemotherapy now because the problem is since I have the multiple myeloma and kidney damage. If my kidneys were to continue to go downhill and the cancer went untreated uh, or I waited until there's certain numbers that they look at was a little bit different, there was a possibility of having to do chemotherapy and dialysis at the same time. And that's obviously just too much on the body. You also, if, if it comes to a point where I would need a kidney transplant, that's not something they can do while you have cancer, active cancer. So, we went ahead and started, and I am on six rounds of 21 days of chemo, and I have a, a week break in between each each round. So I should be done, we're hoping, I think, by the end of February. And I actually have an appointment coming up where I think the next course of action, once that is done, is they will do a bone marrow transplant using my own bone marrow. So I'm really kind of excited about, uh, well, I'm not excited that I have to have it done, but I'm excited to talk with a specialist to see how they're going to go about doing that. Well, and one of the things we've talked about a lot on the show over the years is the partnership between a patient and her physician. And, you know, the old medical model of you walk in, you tell your doctor what's going on, and uh, he or she 
tells you what to do. This, it sounds like you were also an advocate for yourself in, in seeking help and working as a partner with your doctor to come to the diagnosis and the course of treatment. Everybody was absolutely amazing, and, and I want to let everyone know, you, as you've already said, you and I have been friends for a very long time. I actually called you early on before I even had COVID or this diagnosis. Things started with just some very odd things, memory issues. Uh, we found out I had a B12 vitamin deficiency, which can, can basically create, it's almost like you have dementia. I was in my car one day, and I couldn't comprehend taking my seatbelt off. I couldn't understand why I couldn't get out of my car. And I was seatbelted in, but I didn't understand how to, to do that. It, I finally got that back, but it took about a minute before I could understand what to do. When I went to my doctor, um, and, and again, I called you, everyone was trying to piece this thing together, but no one, no one was like, oh, it's nothing, you'll be fine. I loved the fact that all of the doctors who knew me basically said, there's something here. You're not somebody who comes in just willy-nilly. Uh, I did have one doctor when I had to go to the ER who said, well, you are at a certain age. This could be menopause, and it could have been, but that doctor stopped there. That doctor didn't know me. When I did the follow-up with Dr. Craig, uh, she was like, this, this isn't you. You don't, you don't just come in all the time. Um, and also, I had to quit a show that I was in. I know a lot of people know I do theater on the side. I couldn't memorize lines. That's the first time that had ever happened in my life. And so I was panicked. And I could see her eyes just get wide when I told her that which told me she knew me as a person. And you need to remember, I only see her once, twice a year. But the fact that I quit a show and she knew how devastated I was and that this was serious, she never doubted me. She never stopped looking. She said, I want to go through an entire checklist of everything this could be so we can find out it's not, and I'll feel better. And I'll tell you, I felt comfortable from day one in her office. And again, I say the same of you because you were trying to piece things together for me um, as much as you could from what I was telling you. And that's what makes an incredible physician. Well, and, and we always say, you know, when, when you, the patient knows best um, that something is wrong, that something is not baseline, that something needs to be addressed. And oftentimes, you know, of course, people are both patients and physicians are often overworked. They're in a rush, but you have to be an advocate for yourself. If, if you don't have a personal relationship with that caregiver and say, no, look, something, something's going on here. We need to explore a little bit more. And I'm, I'm just gratified to hear that your physician knew, knows you and knows that something was going on and went that, that extra step to, to try to put a finger on what was going on so that you could address it and treat it. And I'm delighted to hear that, that you are in treatment and uh, you sound, your morale sounds wonderful. You know, I'm, I'm much calmer now than I was when I didn't know what was happening because this took several months to diagnose. And it was almost scarier when I didn't know what was happening to my body because there were so many things happening and every day was different. And now that I have a plan, now that I know what's going on, it's like, okay, I can relax into this. There is no cure. That was the hardest thing to have to accept and hear. But again, there are a lot of things out there that people deal with and it doesn't mean, it's not a death sentence. Uh, 
there are so many diseases out there where people have to just, there's certain things you need to do for the rest of your life. And this is a treatment that I may have to do off and on. There will never be that five-year mark where, okay, it's, it's been dormant, so you've hit five years, so you're cured. However, they're finding new treatments every day, and there's nothing to say it could be, if we go into a remission, it could be 10 years before it crops back up. But just like diabetes and, and high blood pressure, it's something that I'm going to have to keep checking for the rest of my life. Well, and a, a tangential professional question now, not a medical question, but a, a journalism question. You are at heart a, a reporter, a journalist, in addition to the other roles that you have in life. What are your plans uh, as a journalist vis-a-vis this medical journey? Well, being the journalist that I am, of course, I started journaling as soon as all this happened, keeping really good notes. I'll be doing interviews with uh, with Dr. Craig uh, about that patient-physician relationship. I'm actually getting my medical marijuana card. Um, well, not the card. It's not legal, of course, in Kentucky. But what we are allowed to do now, which is travel to another state uh, where it is legal and get it, and I am going to be going through that process. I'll be following myself and everyone who helps me along the way so that others who need that process will be able to know how to do it and make it easier for them. I'll be doing a story on, I talk a lot about the importance of what you and other physicians did in helping me reach this diagnosis. And I need to point out again, there were several points along the way, and you can attest to this, where we found something and we could have stopped and been like, oh, it's this thing. If we had stopped and this had cropped up two years later where we actually found it, it could have been catastrophic. Um, So it's not only the physician listening and having that relationship. It's about you as a patient, and I'm talking to all the listeners right now, knowing your body. I could tell a huge difference from when I covered the tornadoes in western Kentucky to the floods in eastern Kentucky. Uh, And that was like a six or seven months difference in time. I could tell I was exhausted. Again, I had just had COVID, so I kept thinking maybe, but I had had recovered. It had been quite a while. my energy level was off. My focus was off. There were several things that I could tell were different. So every time I went in to see Dr. Craig, I had everything written down of things that were different each day so I could go over it with her. She got me to all the right specialists. The team was working together. So even though if I'm at Marquee or if I'm going to something at another location through UK, they are all looking at the same charts because there were actually three different specialists I had to go to. I had to go to kidney, uh, the uh, hematologist, and the oncologist. They all got together and made a decision about my treatment, and I only had to go see one, but they all were on the same page. So it's really about working as a complete team, and that includes you, the patient. And it all comes down in medicine as in journalism to communication. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You have to speak up. And I will say this. When when I look at myself when I was younger in my 20s, if this had happened, I would have been like, okay, yeah, I I think I'm fine. I would have felt guilty about saying I don't feel good or, oh, that's all in my head. And when this started, I actually had a few people tell me, you're just anxious. Um, I was doing a show. It was Shakespeare, and it's very difficult to memorize. I, I had a few people say, are you sure you're just not nervous about memorizing these lines? Like, no, I've done it before, and this is different. Um, and, and it's also, and I will say this, women often, uh, again, I mentioned I had one doctor who happened to be a male, and 
it was only one, thank goodness, but did say this may be because you're in perimenopause. Again, could have been, but he was ready to stop there. The other doctors were like, we're going to keep plugging away at this puzzle to make sure that that's what it could be, to make sure it's not something else. Uh, so I, I just, I really believe that you need to take really good notes. Take somebody with you. Uh, if you have some sort of appointment like this, that's something I learned, too, because I'm single, so I do a lot of things on my own. I have a friend who's a retired doctor. When I have these big appointments with big decisions, she comes with me because when I leave, I feel like all I heard was, you, you know, from the Peanuts, oh, yes. Charlie Brown's teacher. Oh, yes. It's like you leave and all you remember is wah, 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 because <laughs> your brain's like it's too much to take in. I, I was going to use that exact same analogy. That's the first image that came to mind and, and one that we were actually taught in medical school to be aware of that our voice may be coming across as the adults and peanuts and to be careful and be aware of that. You hear cancer, wah, 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 treatment, wah, wah, and that's it. Well, Karen, before we part, is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know uh, about your journey going forward? You know, I just want to I want to personally thank you for all the help that you've given me behind the scenes. The team here at WUKY has been amazing. And our listeners, I have had so much support. I was off social media for a few weeks. Um, when I got back on the other day, there were so many messages of support, people who've been through this, um, who I would actually love to interview as well and talk about their journey. And just the outpouring of love has been just humbling, and I'm so appreciative. My thanks today to reporter and anchor and friend at WKY, Karen Czar, for talking with me about her medical journey with multiple myeloma. For more information, visit our website at wuky.org. With health news you can use, I'm Dr. Greg Davis on medicine. Dr. Greg Davis is a forensic pathologist at the University of Kentucky who volunteers his time to cover important medical news for our community. This program is available as a podcast at wuky.org.